Coming up next in The Ziggler Show. I asked the Ziggler audience this question. If I asked you to tell me the positive attributes of someone in your life whom you like and respect, you'd easily do it, right? However, if I ask you to rattle off the positive attributes of yourself, how does it initially feel? Can you readily conceive of it or does it set you back a bit? The responses were compelling. Almost everyone said it did cause them to pause. Tom Ziegler and I talked through the comments and I feel the episode turns things upside down with how we view humility and egotism. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person, then do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. And we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. Following the recording of this show, we talked about this issue of why we struggle to speak to our own attributes in my Driven to Live community, which, yeah, you haven't heard about yet because I haven't publicly launched it. But what occurred to me is we spend our lives being, quote, humble, so as to not seem egotistical, right? Self-centered. We generally go further and make a habit of minimizing ourselves, and we can't even take a compliment. But when it's time to get a job or start a business and appeal to a bank or investor, let's say, or try to sell ourselves as a coach, we are flush with these long lists of our accomplishments and our attributes. But aside from that, we otherwise, again, diminish and deny what we know we are actually good at. Why? Well, I'm going to queue up a 50-second clip from Zig Ziglar where he speaks to this issue, and then Tom Ziglar and I are going to walk you through the really just convicting and eye-opening comments from people. We'd love your comments as well. Just find me on Facebook at Agent K. Miller. Radical changes, minute steps. And when we understand that, then some amazing things will happen. Well, how do you go about doing that? Well, Chad Helmstead, one of the psychologists that I frequently quote, says you can't change from a negative mindset to a positive mindset without changing from negative talking to positive talking. To do that, you must change the input from negative to positive. We're going to explore why that is so important. But you see, the most important opinion you have is the opinion you have of yourself. The most important conversation you will have on any day is the conversation you have with yourself. And so we need to make that important and very, very positive. Tom, as you and I were just talking and I said, hey, wait, we need to be recording this as usual. So it's the second time. today. So it was, it was yesterday. I played the clip uh, that everybody just heard from your father, from Zig Ziglar, about negative self-talk, how 
the most important conversations, the conversation we have with ourselves. That's what got me to thinking about this. And I, I put the question in as, as I did, uh, really great responses. Most people responded back saying, yeah, it's interesting how it, I, I got more people than maybe ever saying, man, really good question because they felt it. They thought it took a second just to think about it. And they like, Oh yeah. And that's, what's interesting to me is the mental shift. So I just did it with you. So I did it this morning with my guys group over at the coffee shop with, and, and Dr. Randy James, my co-host on the true life show and your doctor and my doctor. And I said that about him, you know, somebody asked me, okay, yeah, I'm thinking about, uh, you, you know, having Randy present to my group or something like that. What are some positive attributes of him, Kevin? And I go, Oh gosh, boom, 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 boom. Just easy as can be just like asking me, you know, name something great about my family or, you know, what I love about the outdoors. I mean, it's just, it's easy. And I just did it with you thinking about you. Hey, we're thinking about having Tom Ziegler speak at our event. What, what would you, what would you say about him? Uh, what would you offer? What are the positive attributes? Man, just, just rattle it off. No big deal. Now flip it. Actually, Kevin, we're thinking about having you speak as well. So just real quick. Um, what are your positive attributes? Now it's different than sending somebody my picture in a bio, right? You and I do that a lot for uh, a, an interview, a presentation or whatever, but to speak it for me to literally face to face with you or even type it out and just go, gosh, what are your positive attributes? That was the interesting thing. Just that subtle brain shift. I don't know, man, you study psychology more than I do. I'm sure there's some terminology. Dr. Caroline Leaf would probably tell us, oh yeah, that's blah, 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 blah. But I'm curious about the self-image aspect and why that's a hiccup. So I see you thinking, what do you, cause we got some great responses. It'll pull some of this out, but what are your first thoughts on it? Well, a couple of things. My first thought was when you said, well, you know, we don't have a problem sending our speaker bio over, but when we speak it, it's, it's harder. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I couldn't write my speaker bio. I had to get somebody else to write okay, it. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, that's fair. And I think it's the same challenge, right? I mean, I wanted the speaker bio to come across as professional and, you know, make sure the right things are in there. But it's hard to write um, down, hey, this, these are my strengths. This is, this is what I'm known for, unless you're really, really confident in that. The first kind of hands-on lesson I had in this was when I was 16, and I mustered up all my courage. I went to Valley View Mall, and I did what every 16-year-old did in the 80s, and that was, you know, let's go get a job at the mall. Right, and of so, course. So I went into the Athlete's Foot, which was a uh, athletics uh, shoe store with, uh, you know, athletic wear. And I said, I'd like a job. So they gave me a job resume or not a resume, a job application form. So I'd take this home, bring it back tomorrow. And uh, what time can you be here? I'll interview you then. You can give me your application. So I get home and I tell dad, why would they ever want to hire me? I mean, I'm 16. I've never had a job. I have no experience. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, well, son, that's not true. You've had 16 years of experience being honest, being courteous, being hardworking, being disciplined, being on time. And he just rattled off, just like we just said, he just rattled off these things. And he said, put that down. And of course, I'm thinking about it from, gosh, they would never hire me. 
Well, now I put myself in the, cause I've been around the block, just like you have. I put myself in the block of, of somebody who's going to hire a 16 year old. What do you expect out of 16 year old? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no experience. <laughs> so, and so we automatically assume we don't measure up. And that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting thought. Why don't, what, why is that, that we, is it the, is it the messaging the world has told us or is it what we're telling ourselves or is it the combination of the two? And so do we, do, do we think and behave in such a way because that's what we tell ourselves primarily. And if we change what we sell, tell ourselves, we will change our behavior. I think so. And that's what was interesting. And as, so as we talked about, I say, as we talked about it, because people responded on Facebook and I actually got into conversations and thought, you know, it's not that I don't know my good qualities or what I'm competent at. I absolutely, to some degree, I I trust myself more than anyone uh, in certain, you know, certain aspects. I know what I'm good at. I, I rely on myself. I'm, healthfully and probably unhealthily self-reliant and man, I do good. I I know I'm a good, there's been so much testimony. I would be remiss to not say I'm a pretty good podcaster. You say I'm the best uh, interviewer ever. Uh, You said it enough times. I'm almost starting to believe it. (laughs) And um, yes, I know those, but to speak them is just, again, I'm just curious about that brain shift and what that, you know, the last show we did, let's see, uh, you and I did was 934 episode. And we talked about termites, the damage that they do, right? And how on a positive note, the little things, the little bites out of, out of little deposits, little good habits we do every day, how massive that they are. But my concern with this, Tom, what I ended up talking with the guys was if there's that little hiccup in speaking well of myself and being confident in myself, if there's that little hiccup, is that a little termite that's eaten away at me every day? That's where my curiosity fell. Yeah. And I think we tend to get into the uh, measuring ourselves by what we don't have. Yeah. Or, or gosh, you know, we look at an, we look at something we, we did and what's the first thing we notice What's wrong? The thing, yeah. The things. What's wrong with it? Uh, the lack of perfection in it, mm-hmm. and positive self-talk. When we start to really understand what it's about, you know, when I read Dennis Waitley's new book, uh, "The New Psychology of Winning," and he said, "Turn your affirmations into confirmations." Okay. Okay. And so, what he was really saying is, in your self-talk. Instead of saying, uh, I am, I am kind, I'm hardworking, I'm loyal, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm creative, I, I'm a problem solver. And we're, we're saying it as an affirmation and it's our, and, and we are affirming that our hope is, is that we grow in that. Right. right. He said, no, turn it into a confirmation and just say, I'm already these things and we confirm that that's who we are. And so some people will not apply for a position or take on a project because it's outside of anything they've ever done. Mm 
and other people, that's exactly why they're going to do it. They're going to, because instead of saying, well, they look at the evidence of I've never done it before. Therefore I'm probably not going to do it. Whereas the person who confirms and is a little bit different. They say, gosh, everything I've ever done is something I've never done before. That's proof that I can do it. So when somebody says, Hey, why should I have you come and speak? Why should you have this job? I think we need to respond to that question from the position of all the things that we already are and already have done. And that is, I think, maybe one of the main points in this is the difference between a growth mindset Mm -hmm. and a fixed mindset. And here's what's interesting about that is there's seven areas of life that we teach, and you might have a growth mindset in a couple of them. So, Kevin, you've trained as an athlete at at an elite level, uh, whether it's running or cycling. And if somebody said, hey, why don't you try rock climbing or, hey, why don't you do this? If you had an interest in it, your initial thought would be, I can grow into that, right? Mm -hmm. I've done it in all these other areas. So physically and physical challenge, you might have a growth mindset. If somebody said, hey, Kevin, why don't you, you know, why don't you do this? And it was one of the other areas that you didn't have a track record that was elite get an accounting degree yes or become you know a very competent financial decision maker looking at numbers your fixed mindset would be like oh no i could never learn that Mm -hmm. right i could never do that and so you're going to doubt yourself in that area but you're going to have the 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 confirmation growth mindset in the other and I think the reality is, is because if you can grow in one area, that means you can grow in every area. It doesn't mean that that's your greatest strength and that's the best use of your time and what you should be doing. But I think we need to start from the position of, gosh, everything's a learning and growing opportunity. I relish that. That's what I live for. And so we should measure the day less by how many boxes we tick off and how many things we got right. And more by, are we a more capable person for tomorrow than when we woke up today? And that's learning and growing. And so I think when somebody says, well, why should we bring you in? There should be a big smile. And the first one should be the truth. I love learning and growing. I've done many of these programs in the past. And every single one of them, I learned something as I discovered what you needed to develop. And so that's what I bring is I bring all this experience and the ability to grow and learn what you need to make this the best event possible. That's why you want me versus someone who has, you know, they've got a hammer and every, everybody they go out to is a nail. I understand that growth and learning and things change, that's where it comes from. So the more fixed in your mindset you are in something, the more likely I believe it's going to be difficult for you to say, hey, I, I, you know, I'm the man, I'm the woman, this is what I should do. Okay, I, we have great comments, but you brought up so many good things. 
well, hey, this is our show. We can do what we want. Okay. I, I want to hit on a couple of things. One was, it was the new book. You said Dennis Waitley. Yes. Uh, he, I believe it's the new psychology of winning. I can check it up while we're, it's while okay we're because it, it, you literally, I literally had notes on that, Tom. So everybody listening, most people should be aware of Zig Ziglar's self-talk cards, positive, you know, affirmations. You can find them at Ziglar.com slash self-talk. And they're totally free. I think you give your email address so we can send them to you, but you can get those there. And we know that we talked about that a lot. And I look at those as, yeah, affirmations, just as you said, almost prophecies. Self, that, Kevin, I am becoming this. I, I want to become this. I can become this. It's a belief thing. And I literally wrote down in notes for this show, the idea of also making a list of what you just said, confirmations of what is. And, and I thought that's what a great exercise. I did it a little bit myself yesterday, just in thinking through this show. When do we ever do that and list? It's almost, you may even, and this is belies some of the issue with this, some of the brain problem with this, have to write them down as, you know, I'd have to admit, I mean, can't you hear that? I'd have to admit, I am pretty good at X. You know, I am pretty good at being a conversationalist. I am pretty good at discerning the, the, the nuggets of a message and helping communicate those. I am pretty good at mountain biking. I, you know, I am pretty good at these things. When have we ever done that? What a great exercise uh, to do. Um, also, you talked about just the yeah, becoming a more capable person. It's just acute to me, Tom. I've got a son. Uh, who is doing, all my kids have done running cross country. I've got one now. He does not love running. He does not care so much about the competition. He really likes the social aspect of it. And yet I'm proud of him also that he can't help but try to get better. His improvement has been so dramatic. He's not going to go out for the Olympic team or anything like that, but uh, you know, he, he's doing, he, his progress has been so good. I love, I responded yesterday after his next next PR in his race, I love the brain training. He now has irrefutable evidence of his ability to make progress. And that should be checked on there. Like you talked about, he's 16, Dom. And so he should put that in his resume. How cool would that be? Hey, I start, I ran cross country with my cross country. Here's my first time. And here's, here's where I got to. It took a lot of perseverance, a lot of, uh, a lot of effort, a lot of pain. I don't even like running, but I, I did that. Me as an employer, that's awesome. Cause there's another kid who never got off the couch. One, another kid who quit another kid who didn't get any better. And here's a kid who progressed and realized it, man, that's, that's, uh, very powerful. All right. Third point from what you said, I was thinking about the speaking page, Tom. You talking about that, doing the bio and stuff. So at kevinmiller.co, I guess it's, a, I think it's the about page, which I've just redone because I am doing some offerings again, doing you know, some speaking and coaching and, and whatnot. And so I wrote that and I actually wrote it first person, which that's one discussion you can have, you know, do you have it like it's written about you or do you do it first person? It just fit me to do it first person. But then I got to sit there and say, Hey, this is what I'm good at. One thing that I like, and you made me think about with the kid's resume, cause I had a kid who was doing another resume. He was like 18 or something like that. And I said, put on there your strengths. And I said, but buddy, put a, put on some of your weaknesses as well. 
and say, here's where I don't flourish. Here's where I'm good. Here's where I flourish. Here's where I don't. It, one, it's just psychologically more believable for your employer. There was a test done one time along those lines, two identical resumes, but one guy just put some of his weaknesses and he got so many more job offers because it felt more believable instead of just the normal thing of all, you know, just, just given the highlights and the positives. That's what a neat thing to do. Even in your speaker page, those of you who are out there to say, Hey, here's where I flourish this kind of message, this kind of crowd, this kind of demographic, and then be honest with where you may not be. I'm not going to be your 45 minute slick, ultra entertaining pyrotechnics presentation that blows everybody's hair back. Man, it's just not me. I'm not as much on the entertainment scale. I can be intriguing. I can keep their, 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 uh, attention and I can help them walk away with them thinking. And I'm, I'm really great with it's interactive, you know, like this, if it's a Q and a, if it's live questions, and kind of like I did with you on the first Ziegler Success 2.0, and we sat across and, and talked, had a conversation. That's where I'm best. If you want the you know, pyrotechnics presentation, here's some other people. They're awesome. And that's great. It's honest, one, and I think it, it helps you be more believable. And it's just honest to yourself as well. Maybe that can help you in admitting what you're good at by also saying, and here's where I'm not as good. That feels, that feels honest. So here, maybe that'll give a couple tips to some folks. You are listening to The Ziggler Show in this episode on speaking to, admitting even, our positive attributes. So next, I read from a listener who says, I know I've been given gifts and talents to share, and disparaging those will discourage me from using my gifts and talents to help those I've been called to help. Troy Stone King, it's easier than it used to be to say positive things about myself because I've learned that I have been given gifts and talents to share. Disparaging those will discourage me from using my gifts and talents to help those I've been called to help. Reminds me of a quote by Zig Ziglar, a statement, God don't make no junk. In truth, I mean, can you, it made me think right away, Tom, of my kids. How do we feel, for those of you who have kids, or imagine if you did, if your kid starts berating themselves? My wife's done that. Like if my son, Ian, is berating himself, she'll respond back with, hey, don't talk about my son, Ian, like that. You know, kind of tongue in cheek, but for real, you wouldn't let that. And yet, we tend to disparage, as Troy said, uh, ourselves. And he said, yeah, all the, I actually, I responded back to him. I said, it's interesting what your brain does. If you think about speaking out loud, your positive attributes, or even just trying to write out a list. Troy wrote back and said, good point. All the programming we've received to not brag does affect how we promote ourselves. So Tom, I'm going to throw that at you. Two points there. One, disparaging the things that we know we're good at just discourages us from using them well. That's a big point. And two, dealing with, and I think that's a big crux of this, the programming we've received to not brag, not be egotistical. And today the big word is narcissism that everybody's scared to death of. So your thoughts? Yeah, we don't like uh, false pride, arrogance, puffery. You know, I'm the best. And I think gosh, we can learn how to effectively communicate that. If somebody were to say, hey, what are you best at? And you could say, you know, I think it's 
I think it's learning and growing. I've spent X amount of years doing this and I've had other people say, and you quote them. Um, you can quote what other people have said about you and say, you know what I'm most proud of is when I'm given a task, I see it through. Hmm. And, and sometimes our, he says, I always see every task through. Sometimes I'll be, I'm not doing that again. In fact, there are two or three things I'll tell you right now, if you want me to do, <laughs> I'll refer you. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, this is, this is a humble moat. This is a heart motive, uh, position on how we explain that on the, on the brag piece of it. Uh, of course, there's the other quote, if it's the truth, it ain't bragging. I know you've heard that one before, uh, but I think it's how we bring it up in the context. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking with one of our uh, Jason friend who does our Ziegler Speakers Institute, and he was asking me uh, some questions and, and he asked me a question about, you know, what are the main drivers in something? And I said, well, belief. And he said, well, what do you mean belief? And I said this, does your core belief or your core beliefs, does that limit or unleash your potential? Okay. That's different. So in this, so everybody, you know, if, if you're driving down the road, uh, just say, "Hey, I'm going to do this a little when I when I when I quit driving." <laughs> but write this down. Think about this question: Do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? So if someone honestly said, "Why are you the man, the woman for this job? Why are you the one that needs to speak to our group?" Why should you be my coach? Whatever the, you know, why should you handle our remodeling job at our house? Why should your firm be the one that solves this problem for our business? Personally, specifically you, why should you lead that project? Your ability to honestly portray your strengths, ask yourself the question, how you do that, the complete transparency in it, does that limit or unleash your potential? Because if you hedge or you don't lay out the truth or you exaggerate into an area that's not what you're really good at and that's the expectation they have, it's an interesting question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it, Tom. I'm, ha I'm having a hard time concentrating now because I'm thinking – actually, I'm curious – I'm thinking that's what we craft the next show after. Seriously. Because right away when you talk about what do you believe, I, mean, I can hear somebody right now saying, I believe America is going to heck in a handbasket. Okay. Does that limit or unleash your potential? Because what it, it's talk about a brain shift because you can get to the core of why do you think that? Well, because of this and this and this. And I, it gets to the root there. Gosh, we're going off on a, on a trail there, but of criticism that helps nothing. What should your beliefs, I got to write notes about this. Should your, your, your belief, I would hope that my core beliefs, yeah, unleash my potential and they are constructive. They are productive. And if we looked at our core beliefs and questioned those, how many of them are just negative feelings that we're angry about, upset about, bitter about, sad about, disappointed, but whatever that helps nothing. And yet we're standing on those beliefs. We're going on social media and spouting off about those. 
Okay, I'm going to stop there. You, can we do a show on it? Let's okay. do it. All right, folks, you're going to see a question on that. Uh, all right, that was killer. Well, thank you, Tom. That was worth the price of admission, but I guess we still have a little bit of a show to do, so we'll keep going. Jimmy Ziegler, nice name. How's Cousin. He? Cousin, there you go. He said, generally, I love talking about my positive attributes, but as soon as I started to list them, it did make me pause for a moment. Great question, Kevin Miller. Uh, Ruben, I know the positive attributes of myself and how I would respond to the question. However, there was a delay, almost as if I was questioning my confidence or confusing it with arrogance. Great question. Definitely has me thinking, even though the answers are well known. That's interesting. Again, the things that we know, but it's hard uh, it's hard to speak. Faye Bryant, I'm still working in this area. I have learned to accept compliments without diminishing them progress, right? That's an interesting one that I've had to learn, Tom, because you come off, you know, you don't want to be, you want to be humble. And so somebody says, Oh man, you're the best. Well, you best podcaster, you know, ever. And I, and my first, my, my real first thought is all the, all the people who have shows, you know, a hundred times bigger than, than mine and whatnot, as opposed to saying, well, man, thank you. Thank you. And if you hear it enough times from enough people and stuff, you, you should believe it. But either way, I'm robbing you of the gift of the compliment. If I don't say thank you. And you mentioned humility. Um, we ought to, we ought to hit on that real quick. I, my favorite definition, I think, the one I, I am most inclined to resonate with is humility is not thinking less of yourself, just thinking about yourself less. That lets me be confident and have a positive self image and know what I have to offer and not, uh, as the guy said before, not disparage what I have to offer, which limits what I have to offer to everybody and yet not go around completely consumed with what I have to offer. So can I do that? And that, that is my gosh, that's a, that's a consistent thing for me, Tom. I mean, my gosh, to not think, to think of myself less, less, that's difficult. I'm a very self-interested, self-centered person by nature, by whatever, by nature, nurture, who knows, but I am. And so that's good call for me. But the propensity that I've had is to disparage myself and think, less of myself in response to dealing with my ego instead of going, no, that's okay. I'm good at those things. But can I think of myself just less other others first ish in essence? Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a, a mind rabbit trail that my, <clears throat> that my nerd brain goes on. So the other day uh, I'm listening to the book Balder which you recommended Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Yeah, I've, you're the second person who's called it Baldersnatch because it's um, uh, what's that game? Uh, Balderdash, I think. Balderdash. Yeah, okay. and people get it's just and because Bandersnatch, Bandersnatch is such a weird name, and it's yeah. Anyways, go ahead. So, so then I there was a thought that got spurred, and my question was: Is our universities higher education should they be teaching uh, wisdom? Or should they be teaching knowledge? And in school, should we teach our kids the answer? Or should we teach our kids how to discover the answer? I'm going to go with how to discover the answer. But, <laughs> uh, but I want you to back up there. Define, 
explain wisdom and knowledge. How do you define those differently? So to me, wisdom is the proper use of knowledge, especially in a moral context. Okay, but is that the, but the use of, because I can have knowledge. No, let me own it. Kevin Miller, I have a lot of knowledge I don't do a thing with. How you use the knowledge, the motive behind it, that's wisdom. Got it. Now, that's just, there's more sophisticated definitions than that. I like and it. And we all, we all know from our heart that uh, we, we know it should be about wisdom, and we know it should be about how to find the answer, right? It's about if we could teach uh, our kids how to discover the right answer in a, in a moral framework and, and through great questions and mm-hmm. logic and, you know, in gathering information and knowledge that helps us come to that conclusion. And so now I'm going to tie all that thought with the question that you asked, you know, why are we so hesitant sometimes to tell people why we are the perfect person for the job? If you measure your life on your results, well, we've all had some bad results and there's no guarantee the next result is going to come. And so that's kind of a knowledge base approach. That's kind of a, I know the answer approach. But if our answer comes from, gosh, I I love, you know, it's not about, you know, my value to the world isn't the knowledge. I mean, that's important. It's not the results I've gotten. It's, hey, I know how to figure out and solve problems in a context of wisdom Mm -hmm. that brings fruit to whoever I do business with, right? And so now it's more of a growth organic thing. So people who are only results-oriented are also fixed mindset-oriented. And what they do is they specialize on things they're naturally good at. And anything that's tough, they stop, they quit, they move on. They don't do it anymore. Growth-oriented people, it's all about the learning. And so I think, you know, I'm glad we're having this discussion because Mm -hmm. as you're listening to this podcast, know that every day that goes by, the value of people who have lots of knowledge and no answers in a certain realm goes down every single day. And people who know how to figure problems out and who can take a lot of different scenarios and discover the answer out of that around a wisdom foundation their, their value goes up every single day. Yeah. And why am I saying that? Because every answer is already on Google. I mean, <laughs> it's there. Artificial intelligence is we're a few years away from every area of our life being radically transformed, yeah. whether it's healthcare or financing a home or the driverless car that's going to pick us up. I mean, all of these things are coming. And so if our self-worth is based on the factoids that we know, gosh, that's going to be a hard world to live in because why would anybody ask you anything? 
But if we're growers and learners and it's around a wisdom context of relationship and innovation and collaboration and creativity and the only things. See, I love I love the idea of creativity and too many people isolate that and say, you know what? Creativity, that's just for artists. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When I see something, uh, I just get overwhelmed with the creativity involved. When I watch people who are masters at whatever they do, how they get to the solution is unbelievable. And it's because they've tapped into the creative, growing, learning aspect of it. It's not just that they know how to do the fact stuff. It's they know how to put it all together in a way that nobody else ever thought about. Yeah. And so as we, as we dig into that question, how can we pause? I think we have to derive our value from our growth and our, our growth mindset and our learning and our, our ability to have discernment and to make heads or tails because we're, we're going to all, if we live long enough and we're, and we're out there proactive enough, we're going to take on projects bigger than us. And that's what we're supposed to do. And if we don't believe we can grow into it, then we won't do it. And if we don't do it, then we stop growing. And if we stop growing, what's the point? You, I want to mention something there. I mean, we do know if you look at strengths and weaknesses, you can take, I don't want anybody to take any of that and go, okay, I shouldn't just rest on my strengths. I should, you know, grow in my areas of weakness and, and whatnot. Now we know vocationally, athletic wise, Man, you find your greatest strength, talent, gift, skill, ability, and you maximize that sucker. And if you're a great uh, cyclist, I am not going to go spend my time trying to grow myself over here on the gymnast uh, you know, routine. We're not talking about that so much. Uh, but if I am going to be the greatest in my business, let's, let's take podcasting right here. Gosh, no, here, here, I'll make it literal. I'll take podcasting. So let's say I've done a good, I've done a good job. Seems like testimony shows, downloads no, uh, show that I have done a good job. And yet we've seen, especially in the past year, the landscape change and require some innovation. Require that, okay, I, if I just do the same thing day in and day out, it doesn't seem, we're seeing, you know, plateaus with things. So I need to go grow, push myself kind of stretch the envelope, push the envelope there and look at innovation and get outside of maybe my comfort zone a little bit and start looking at some other options. Now it's still within my, you know, strength. So I want people to to hear that somewhat that we're talking about. You, you mentioned again, I love the word innovation. I think we're out of time. I mean, you're the king of, I was going to say this. I don't know if you want this right now. I'm looking at you now as the king of, of uh, disruption, talking about that and what it requires is resilience. And I think does uh, innovation as well. So I just wanted people to hear that, but something else you said, Tom brought out what I think is, uh, play with this with me. If I don't claim so much my expertise, my gift, talent, strengths, what I think I'm, I do a good job. If I don't, and I put myself out there a bit, it gives me the opportunity to be discovered what if somebody sets me on stage on a panel and then I get the opportunity to, to hopefully harness what I am pretty good at having a conversation, having a talk like this. And they realize I am, man, I've got, I've kind of got nothing to lose. That's, there's my point. 
okay, and I can be discovered. I, I'm, I'm concerned and pondering that that's where most of us tend to be. We want to be discovered. I mean, my gosh, look at America's Got Talent. We love that show because we get somebody gets to be discovered. Somebody who's never talked. My kids were watching The Voice recently, and you get somebody, and so many people said, "Man, I've never even been on a stage." I've been singing a long time, but never been on a stage. And we like that. There's nothing to lose, only everything to gain. As opposed to somebody, imagine somebody coming up on there and them asking, so how are you? And the person saying, um, you know, I've been singing a long time, but done some gigs. I, I think I'm one of the best singers you'll have ever seen. Man, they just set the bar and now they have something to lose. So if I go out there and somebody asks about me presenting, and I say, you know what? I'm actually one of the best presenters you, you'll have ever seen. Uh, put me on a panel and a live Q and a, and it might be the best performance you've ever seen. Now I'm not even going to say that that is, that is, you know, setting the bar kind of high, but to say, man, I've, I've proven that I no, I'm, I'm, I'm very good. You got to live up to that. How many of us are diminishing what we know we're good at hoping to be discovered? We'd like to be, but we're afraid to put it out there because then you set the bar and you do have something to lose. And you may have somebody say, you know what? You actually didn't add up to what we had hoped. I, 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 I think my point there, Tom, is just putting out that there is a risk in it, but then if we go out and list out, communicate some of the things that we know that we're good at, that gives us the opportunity to be noticed and have the opportunity to do that. If we sit back hoping to be discovered, I think your propensity is to not be. It's a noisy world out there. And I don't, I got to admit, there's not a whole lot of people I've had on the show that I never heard of. I mean, I got to hear of them somehow. Somehow I've got to catch wind of them, whether they contact me, whether an agency contacts me, or whether they just did well enough to end up on a list somewhere that I saw. There had to be something because I'm not going out knocking on doors in my neighborhood going, hey, just wondering if there's anybody here with a great message. They're not going to be discovered. They've got to do something, and that takes a risk. And I wonder how many of us are going undetected with what we have to offer because of just the risk of saying, hey, I, I might have something to offer. Yep, and then if we set a high standard, then we've got to live up to it. Mm -hmm. And then there's the chance we could disappoint somebody. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting uh, footnote in Zig Ziglar's career. For many years, uh, his his bio and what people would write about him and some of the official stuff was, he would say he was the number two speaker in America. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> and it was, it was great. It was marketing bait. I mean, it was unbelievable because he would get interviewed and, and people would be like, you say you're the number two speaker in America. How do you know? And he said, I don't know, but there's a bunch of people claiming to be number one. So I figured <laughs> I would just claim to be number two. That is brilliant. That is funny. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, and then they would usually say, yeah, but I think you're the best speaker I've ever heard. And so dad would say, well, you need to tell those other people then. <laughs> so, that, that is just, that's just stupid smart. And so, Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that was just kind of his nature. And so, but it also came across as, in a way, it was saying, hey, you know, I may not be the best speaker in the world 
in your mind, but I'm, I'm good enough that you ought to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that humor, right. He could, he could do it with the humor and pull it off. So he was able to, to claim a position of credibility and talk positively about himself without being arrogant or setting an expectation because when you walk in and you say, Hey, I'm the best speaker you've ever heard, then wow, that's a, that's a tough one because yeah. everybody has an ear for a speaker. Uh, they have an ear for a different, you know, cadence and style and delivery and, and it's, but you can be really honest, you know, dad's dad said, Hey, if you're, if you're looking for someone who is going to speak the truth, is going to do it in a loving way, who's going to be positive and, and believes the best in you. And the audience is the number one re is the reason I'm there. It's not about me. If that's what you want, then pick me. It reminds me of, of Christopher Lockhead and his mantra soapbox, if nothing else of do not, I'm going to paraphrase, just don't everybody out there, go audit your website, your bio, anything you've got out there. And I would take away anything that refers to best or better. It just doesn't, it doesn't instill trust these days. And to what you said too, I think it's also impossible. You just can't do it. And even if you're, you know, you think you're the best plumber in, in my area, don't do that because it's also by proxy disparaging the other ones, but you can tell me how you're different. You can tell me how you're different. So if you want somebody to speak at your event, um, Tom Ziegler is not officially, as far as we know, the best speaker on planet earth. Um, but man, he has a different, he has a certain style that reaches, you know, certain people depending on what you want. I am uh, far, f I'm a rookie speaker compared to um, Tom, but I have some things that I do well, some ways that I connect well with people. So to think about how you can be unique, that's not better, best, but you can be unique. You can be, it's like a USP, your unique selling proposition, and you can be different and you can just speak to that. And you don't even have to say that I'm better best. You don't have to say that I'm different. You can just say, be, be, speak, speak directly to this is who I serve best. And I like that idea. This is where, of what I told my son when he was doing a resume, this is where I flourish. This is the type of environment, the type of role uh, where I flourish. I can do some of these other things here fairly well. And in, and in this arena, I really do struggle. So I want to put that out there. It's so... Talk about trust and about giving somebody, you know, standing out from the crowd. Um, I love it. All right, Tom, I'm going to, and there are so many, you know what? Let me tell you folks, if you go to my web, my Facebook page, which is um, Agent K Miller, I posted this on October 14th, 2021 at exactly 11, 10 AM. All right. So I posted this question. There are some really good responses we could make a two hour show, but I think we've covered some highlights, but now I want to kind of come, I want to anchor on a little bit of a different tangent, but it's a piece of this. So Soma Ray Hathaway, I know Soma, uh, she's an incredible artist. Um, and she said her response here, I was just thinking about this yesterday, three times in one day, I called myself an idiot. Then I caught myself. 
I was on the verge of beating myself for calling, beating myself up for calling myself an idiot. Oh, the irony. It's such a strong tendency that I frequently have to fight. Well, I had a conversation with her then Tom on this because I said me too. And I don't really think poorly of myself overall. That was the interesting dichotomy. It's not that I look at myself in the mirror, me personally with disgust or distaste or, or, or even dissatisfaction. I don't think so poorly of myself, but I do just inherently expect so much, such high performance, no mistakes. So when I fall short of the impossible, I'm irritated with myself or at least my performance. And I'll speak to that. You know, if I don't call myself an idiot, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I am angry. I mean, you can see it in my face, my demeanor, my aura, whatever you want to call it. If I don't, you know, grumble, which I probably do sometimes. I'm not a super verbal person by myself, but I do. And how interesting is that? So Faye Bryant, who I also know Faye, she responded and said, I get this so much, Soma. I understand this. I have to literally stop speaking and thinking and remind myself I am not an idiot, that I may have made a less than stellar choice, but I'm no idiot. Um, which I sometimes unfortunately accept. And I said, guys, we need a support group here. How about SBA, Self Beraters Anonymous? And uh, they, they laughed at that. But Soma said, Faye, sometimes for me, it's not even, this is interesting, it's not even that big of a deal as far as what I did. For instance, I forgot to grab my keys on the way out of the door. And then I call myself an idiot. I would never dream of saying that to another person. Faye replied, yeah, I've, I've been there. And, and then she said, Faye said, I'm Faye and I'm a self berater. I've been free for three days. Um, that's great. But I replied back and said, yeah, it's interesting how those little innocuous things, I mean, think about that. Everybody think about walking out the door, you're in a hurry, you're thinking of some stuff, you get out to the car and oh, I forgot the, and, and what do you say? How do you react? I mean, you can hear it. Do you call yourself an idiot? Do you curse? Do you bang the, the thing? Or do you go, ah, that's what my wife is calling me to. You're, Kevin, just can you accept that you're human? And can I look at that and go, ah, man, I was thinking a bunch of stuff, forgot my keys. But man, our irritation. I mean, talk about, we're back to the termites of show 934 of how we think of ourselves. Those are not innocuous feelings. And I like what uh, Faye or Soma, one of those said, what would you do if it, well, maybe, maybe this is, going to be disappointing for some folks, but you know, hopefully if it was your kid who did it or your spouse who did it, or what if you were going to lunch with your coworker, let's, let's do that. If I was going to lunch with you, Tom, and we walk out to your car and get in and you go, ah, I forgot my keys. Would I say, Tom, man, you're such an idiot. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, none of us would do, talk about a brain switch. None of us would do that to our coworker. Hopefully we wouldn't do it to our spouse or our child as well. And yet, why do we, why do I, Kevin Miller, on it, why do I have that? Sometimes it's a, a moment of almost a fury at myself. It's ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. And yet, so I'm so grateful that Soma pulled that out because that's one of those termites that eats away at my ability to be not only self-confident confident and, and have a self-image, but just to be at peace with myself, to accept Kevin. Tom, I just keep hearing the voice in my head <clears throat> and this is what I learned from dad early on. And this has served me well. Um, not that I do it a hundred percent of the time. Okay. Dad said this failure is an event. Yeah. Not a person. Yeah. And so like when I forget the keys or I do something like that and I don't know, Kevin, but the frequency is going up and I don't know what the deal <laughs> is with that. Yeah. 
I just step back and I and I go, wow, I need to slow down. Yes. Right? Because because I immediately recognize I got more than one thought in my head. It's simultaneous. And that's what's going on. And usually I'll go, how did that happen? And almost always I was moving from point A to point B and I was going to pick up the keys on the way. And I got interrupted with a text or a phone call or a question. And then my mind shifted to that, but I kept moving to point B. <laughs> so. I, Tom, I do want to pull that out real, real quick before we end. I want to pull that out because I mean, we're in a time now when we expect a lack of capacity and infirmity or whatever sooner and sooner. I literally saw a text, not a text, a post yesterday about sarcasm toward ourselves uh, at 30, at 30, you know, at, at early in, in your, I, it was something to, to do with aches and pains, you know, early when you go out and you do athletics, you have aches and pains from the exertion. Now you're 30 and you have aches and pains just by proxy, something like that. I think, are you seriously there? We used to say that about being 70 and then it was 60, 50, 40. Now we're at 30. Pretty soon we're going to say, man, I'm, you know, as soon as I hit double digits, Went from nine to 10, started getting aches. We're, we're taking these infirmities. So we're in that age and I, it's tragic. I'm, I'm going to be 51 soon. And in some ways I feel better um, than ever because I'm wiser. I'm taking action on more, Tom. But to that degree, I, again, one of those things we do is we get older. We think we, by proxy, we expect ourselves to be more forgetful. Well, if I'm walking out with, if, if my son and I are both walking out of the car, the, the house to get to our respective cars, um, chances are likely he did not forget his keys. Why? Cause he's thinking about one thing, maybe two, maybe three. He's got a pretty, his life does not contain that much. He's not responsible for that much. He's, uh, you know, maybe he's, I, I, and I, I'm saying my son, I have lots of sons, but you know, one of my kids may not be involved in a, t in a ton. What about you and me? What do we have going on in that noggin? Oh my gosh, a, a hundred things more so. And, and I'm actually, I enjoy it because I'm grateful that, man, I'm, I'm maybe thinking of a new idea. Oh man, Tom said this really uh, cool thing. Where is it? Do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? Man, that'd be a good show. Gosh, I should, we could talk about X, Y, Z. I need to make a note on that. I wonder if we should do a blog about that. I love that. <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking about as I'm mindlessly or trying to mindlessly do these other things. And when I forget my keys, gosh, that's actually a great perspective right there. It's not because I'm getting old. It's not brain fog. It's not dementia. I should sit there and go, man, I forgot my, this would be a Zig Ziglar right here. I'm so glad I forgot my keys because my mind was so full of awesome ideas and that I have the privilege of being even exposed to somebody like Tom Ziglar to give me that idea. That's a million dollar thought. It sounds Pollyanna, but is it not true? The reality is it's true. Chances are I forgot the keys because I'm thinking about all the amazing things I've got going on in my life, even if it's problems that are a result of having so many amazing things. If I didn't have any problems, it's because I don't have anything going on in my life. The homeless guy may have less problems to think about because it's not a whole lot going on. Okay. Can I, will you, will you grant me that? I, I, I'm gonna, we're going to have grace on forgetting keys. All right. Whatever yeah. it is. Okay. Well, you know, you really can't forget keys because if they're important, you'll recognize the fact you forgot the keys. True. And it reminds me of the, the thing I heard about Einstein. They asked him what his phone number was, and he said he didn't know it. And they said, how can that be? You're probably the smartest man in the world. 
he said, why would I fill my brain yeah. with information where I know where to find it? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he knew that a hard drive had a, a limited <laughs> capacity before hard drives were invented. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think, can you imagine me trying, us trying to, me trying to remember all the things, the passwords, the phone numbers, the people, the notes that I keep in my iPhone contacts list or whatever. I'm so grateful that it takes care of that. And I can free my mind to think about our next show from Tom's statement. Do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential. I'd rather use my brain capacity for that. Well, man, again, so grateful for all the responses. They were all so good. Um, I'm grateful that it jogged our minds. I think it's a great issue for us all to consider. And can we become naturally confident and okay with speaking of our strengths, gifts, abilities, talents? All right, Tom. And, and now we can have grace for the next thing that we forget. How's that? That's right. Okay. If you want to take action and really benefit from this episode, I really encourage you to simply make a list of things you know you are good at. You don't have to be the best or even think of yourself as a complete expert necessarily. You can go deep and get to the core competencies. Like if I were to say, hey, I'm pretty creative and innovative and resourceful, or just state the basic things might be easier and, and helpful as well, such as me saying, I'm a highly skilled mountain biker. That's true. I'm pretty good with creating functional art furniture out of old dead trees. True too. I know how to tent windows on cars. That's kind of an offbeat one. You know, I could make a long list. I'm sure you could too. Do it and think on the positive attributes and qualities that you have to offer the world that will enhance who you are instead of minimizing it, as Tom Ziegler said. Coming up in episode 937 of The Ziggler Show, I bring you the success habits of Dr. Amishi Ja, who I had in episode 935 talking about our attention and where that goes is where our power goes. She's the neuroscientist. She's the guru of attention. No surprise, she puts a big emphasis on mindfulness and exercises to keep her present. And then she also likes to jam to electric, uh, like the electronica house music. And as she testifies, make stuff with her hands. It was really interesting. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs> <laughs>